it would be, I think, a shame to be so excited about a sustainable market that we forget that critical risk-oriented market building is always going to be necessary. And so we need foundations, whether they're large like Rockefeller or tiny nonprofits, to continue to seed the market where traditional financial infrastructure is not doing that. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. This episode is the result of a great partnership between Impact Boom and Social Ventures, with Social Ventures Director Annika Horn kindly providing the following interview. All right, Rahana, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have the chance to talk to you. Um, I came across you on LinkedIn out of all of the places (laughs) and was so struck that there is this amazing accomplished female with um with a bio that just reads like a lexicon of some of the most impactful organizations that i'm aware of in the united states and you work in impact investing which is fantastic so i couldn't pass up the opportunity to reach out and talk to you and pick your brains a little bit more about the work you do the organizations you've been with and what you're seeing in the sector of impact investing so First off, could you tell us a little bit more about your background and what led you to working in the space of impact investing? Yes, happily. What an unbelievable kind introduction. So so thank you. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants like so many of us are. So I, I, I deeply appreciate that. I, um, like many people, I think that probably found impact investing uh, am a byproduct of, of sheer dumb luck and really great timing. So I started my career um, working with the United Nations, uh, particularly the United Nations um, Capital Development Fund, CDF. And UNCDF's remit was to help prime local financial markets in a lot of the global south in an attempt to build better relationships between customers that are poised for financing and domestic financial institutions that don't see local borrowers as credit worthy. And so for me, it was a very deep, very practical foray into the role of project finance um, in a development context and seeing what UNCDF did with particularly de-risking capital, so guarantees and credit enhancements, to try and make local uh, borrowers more attractive to local institutions. And so very early on, the role that private capital could play, because this was money that was raised, yes, from foundations and donors, but also institutions. Um, Being able to see that was an eye-opener for me. It was a far cry from uh, traditional development theory, which is what I was trained in, um, and economics, which is traditional in its own right. Uh, And then from there, like I said, um, a lot of sheer dumb luck and a lot of really amazing people who were willing to take a chance on me, spent some time um, leading the grant making side of things um, for the impact investing portfolio at the Rockefeller Foundation, then moving over uh, to do fund management and wealth management work in the impact sector at BNY Mellon, and then finally in-house at the Case Foundation running their impact investing program. And so for me, my role in this space has mostly been around 
uh, big systems change. I've really, really been attracted to the question, how can we change the way that institutions talk about traditional finance? What are ways that we can repurpose traditional finance for social goals? And how do big, large, uh, relatively sticky bureaucratic organizations navigate a very difficult culture change that fundamentally sort of requires us all to talk about finance in a very different way. So it's been an amazing journey and it's been a journey, I think, in a lot of really great organizations that have always kind of had their finger on the pulse with this kind of work. And so for me, launching Spectrum Impact, uh, which is an impact investing strategy consulting firm, uh, really does the job of trying to use strategy as a lens by which impact investing strategies are built. And so trying to customize the way that organizations think about approaching impact, not the other way around. And I think we found that it's a pretty, it's a pretty important nuance because it reminds us all that there is a unique set of skills and capabilities that organizations have to solve problems. And impact investing doesn't advocate for departing from those. That done properly, you can actually leverage them to be even more impactful in the way that you approach some of these big social problems. A very good friend of ours uh, talks about us as if we're marriage counselors, which we have been advised by legal counsel. We should never put on a website anywhere. We are not licensed therapists. Uh, so that point is very well taken. But it's, um, I think, a really, a really important um, reminder to me on a pretty consistent basis that there's a lot of work that can be done to help people figure out what path is right for them as opposed to prescribing a one-size-fits-all model. Can you give us one or two examples of the type of organizations you work with and what kind of work you do with them to walk us through one or two practical examples? No, happily. It's a really great, it's a really great question. So um, I would say that because strategy is the lens by which we problem solve, we, we do find that the range of clients that we are best suited to are, is actually quite narrow. Um, and originally, I think when you start, when you start a business, that, that is the most scary thing you could possibly say out loud to yourself that, oh gosh, the pool's pretty small. I will say, um, as we're approaching our two-year anniversary, it's a source of great comfort for me. Um, and I think the reason for that is in order for Spectrum's methodology to work, we really do need to connect the impact investing application to an organization's broader strategy. And so that means a certain size and type and scope that thinks about strategy as a compass in the way that, in the way that their work is executed. So typically, uh, to that end, our clients fall into two buckets. The first is large organizations or corporations or smaller for-profit entities that have a theory of change. They have a very clearly built strategy on what they want to do. Either that's market opportunity, customers served, business model type. Um, and then from that, they are thinking very candidly about how, how to shape a business line around impact investing. Or uh, they are a on-balance sheet fund manager of some kind. So in the first group, um, we have a lot of uh, really amazing um, for-profit startups that are emerging onto the scene that um, really are thinking about impact investing as a core business line. So the best example from our portfolio uh, is a group out in New York called Elevest. So Elevest is a digital financial advisor that's rethinking the way that women get to be part of the community of savers, investors, and borrowers. And so using what is traditionally an outdated algorithmic male-centered way of thinking about life expectancy, span, and earning potential, and putting a spin on it for you know 50% of the population that is currently being left out of the market. And so we had the unbelievable good fortune of shaping their uh, gender lens investing narrative and thinking about what product offerings are um, authentically, which is Elevest's culture, to really be super authentic and real about um, whether they are part of the community or not and what that looks like. 
on the other side of the house, a, a good example of the work that we're doing right now is with the Equality Fund. So the Equality Fund is the government of Canada's um, a sizable effort, a $300 million effort to build um, general lens investment principles and, and, um, femi and feminist principles into the work that they do. So that has a manifestation at the way they do foreign policy all the way to the work that I do with the Equality Fund, which is a $300 million gender lens investment product, uh, a set of products. And the um, Equality Fund is a good example because it is um, uh, an example of what it looks like to seed um, an investment strategy of some kind. And then uh, a firm like mine comes in and says, okay, you've allocated the assets, you're bought in on gender lens investing or impact investing, you're ready to go. Um, let us help you figure out the best way to execute that. So um, we've been working with the Equality Fund since October of 2018 uh, on this project. And so both of those are good examples of, I think the ways that we find opportunities to sort of engage at the organization level to really build um, an actual plan, a workable long-term plan around how these assets actually are deployed and to what end. Brilliant, thank you. You've worked in the space of impact investing, not only for a number of years, but also for different actors and, and organizations. Yeah. What are some of the trends you've seen over the last five years, 10 years? What has changed? What are you excited about? What are you maybe concerned about? Yeah, it's, um, it's a particular timely question. I appreciate you asking it because I do think that the last two years in the evolution of this space kind of feel like reading, it's not even a new chapter, it's an entirely new novel. And there are so many ways that that is unbelievably inspiring. And then there are other ways that it's frightening. So for me, um, uh, I think over the course of my journey on a personal level, I was looking for the size and type of organization that really had the ability to make impact investing a core business line in perpetuity. And in starting at the UN, I sort of thought that the INGO model might work. Moving over to Rockefeller, I had an opportunity to see the privately endowed model. Moving over to BNY Mellon, it was the asset owner uh, and institutional investor. At Case, it was the private family office. And I think uh, two things have emerged across sort of uh, a little bit of reflectivity, I guess, over the last 10 years. I think the first is that um, there is no one-size-fits-all solution to scaling impact investing, that the market needs so much critical um, infrastructure building that you could be uh, a privately endowed foundation and make grants for the next 10 years and critically poise, uh, poise the market for success. Or you could also be the, one of the largest asset servicers in the world and be making investments for the next 10 years and bring the market to scale. That there's so many um, roles and responsibilities we still need to fill uh, to be able to really scale impact investing. And so to answer your question about sort of things that I worry about, I think in the rush to declare that we are there, that we're ready, that impact investing is a sizable, comparable market, um, we have lost sight of the fact that a lot of what has created impact was concessionary, grant-based, completely artificially stacked um, investments, right? That this was sort of a, in, in, in the inception of impact investing, it was about creating a market that wasn't there. And so the unit economics were not suggesting that impact investing was the future. And so it would be, I think, a shame to, to be so excited about a sustainable market that we forget that critical risk-oriented market building is always going to be necessary. And so we need foundations, whether they're large like Rockefeller or tiny nonprofits, to continue to seed uh, the market where traditional financial uh, infrastructure is not doing that. And then I think the thing that I would, I'm the most excited about that every organization that I've worked at has done an unbelievable job at working at, and it's hard, hard work, uh, is around measurement and transparency. So one of the most prevalent myths 
in the impact investing space, that's a point of personal frustration for me is the myth that you can't measure some of these impacts. And I think we have over 35 years of development practice and over uh, 45 years of investment practice that demonstrate that we can measure. It's hard. Uh, and part of the reason why it's hard is because it's not standardized. And so almost every organization that I've worked at has, has had an instrumental role to play in building measurement frameworks that uh, start off expensive and all of a sudden become affordable through their grant making or through their de-risking. Uh, and so the future of measurement through the impact uh, management project or through the IAM framework at GIN or work that B-Lab is doing, there's so much great work out there to get us all on the same page. That inspires me deeply. So for us, individuals, maybe even social entrepreneurs who are driven to make an impact, are there ways for smaller organizations and units to get involved in impact investing? It's always the part of work that you don't get to touch on that you get the most excited by. So I love this question because I, I don't often get to work directly with entrepreneurs or individuals. And so I'm, I am a um, bench warmer uh, watching all of this happen and it's truly, truly inspiring. So I would say at the individual level, I have been blown away by the number of products that have been designed for unaccredited and non-accredited investors, uh, particularly in North America. So you have things like CNOTE, which allows you to sort of um, keep uh, checkings and savings, your checkings and savings um, assets in community development financial institutions in neighborhoods that you care deeply about. Or you have things like Robinhood or Epic uh, that look at the role that you can play as an individual investor to invest in community. Or there are things like Elevest or um, formerly Swell, which no longer is around. Uh, other digital advisors and robo-advisors that have exclusively um, impact-oriented or socially responsible investment digital portfolios. So the role that the individual gets to play, I think, is more powerful now than ever before. But I also think that they're sometimes in the desire to be all be investors, which uh, obviously, I personally believe that every single one of us can and should, um, that we forget that there are other strengths that we have. So, so it, it, um, it is pretty impressive to me that, you know, it feels like no other time in our cultural history did 144 characters sort of have a, a huge impact on corporate culture or that wrongdoing um, and the use of video allows uh, allows us to hold all of these corporate institutions much more accountable than ever before. So there's definitely a play for investment dollars, but I would also say there's a social consciousness that's particularly timely. And so every individual has the ability to make that voice known uh, and sort of get in touch with a corporate entity that they're not happy with and, and why that may not be the case. Uh, and then I think for the entrepreneurs, I'm constantly reminded in my work that uh, as someone who supports the supply side, who mostly works on investor onboarding and education, this is all for naught if there aren't places to put the money. And so the entrepreneurs continue to be a critical part of the ecosystem. And I am totally inspired by the amount of entrepreneur level support that's happening in the impact sector. So we have some um, uh, long, long and impressive legacies like Village Capital, um, and things like um, tech stars that have moved into the space. Um, uh, we have uh, unbelievable programs out there that are looking at entrepreneurial support in a really thoughtful way. We've got um, uh, lots of organizations out there that, that think more about uh, accelerators and incubators as sources for pipeline funding. And so entrepreneurs get access to investors they didn't get to before. And then I also think that in a, in a culture of... Um, a lot of concern around impact washing, which is, is right. I think that we need to have our guard up on this. Uh, LPs and investors themselves are starting to think a little bit more thoughtfully about evaluating social enterprises in a way that 
that helps their business model. So it used to sort of be if your term sheet looked good and you were generating the returns and having impact as, as a side objective, great. You, you fit the impact investing mandate at um, a small operating foundation. Now, if you're not measuring those social impacts and if you're not being very clear and explicit and intentional that that's how you evaluate success, you're not even getting through the door. And so I'm hoping, uh, perhaps naively, but I am hoping that the balance of power is shifting a little bit uh, to be uh, much more equal between LPs, GPs, and then the, the entrepreneurs that they invest in. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You um, already mentioned a number of organizations who are key players who might be good resources. Could you list again for us just a few organizations that do a good job in impact investing and or in educating other players around the topic of impact investing? Absolutely. Um, so I think I would be remiss um, uh, <laughs> without shouting out the gin once again. So this is the Global Impact Investing Network. Uh, and they essentially serve uh, as our membership association body, our industry association body. And over the course of their inception, um, uh, have done an unbelievable job making resources available to the public. So it's one of the few organizations out there, I think, that doesn't just generate knowledge and expertise for members, but ensures that they are um, sending out to sort of the masses lots of information on impact investing. So the GIN has both... Uh, high-level definitions as well as sector-specific guides. So they've really dug in on some thematic sectors, social impact sectors, and um, also created sort of resources for certain types of organizations, so a foundation versus a family office. So um, I can't speak to the gin enough. It's got some of the most compelling information we have out there. I think uh, also that there are a set of uh, books that have come out in the last little while, some of them, some of them a little bit older, uh, that I actually think continue to um, hold the line on appropriate, on appropriate impact investing education. So the Impact Investor, um, uh, which is by Kathy Clark, Jed Emerson, and Ben Thornley, um, is on Amazon, I believe still. Uh, I have a copy sitting on my bookshelf, but does a really good job of talking about um, how, to, how to use collaborative capitalism at a leadership level to really institutionalize impact. Um, there uh, also is The Power of Impact Investing, which was written by Dr. Judith Roden and, and Marco Brandenburg. Um, bias there. Uh, their Rockefeller colleagues, um, that is a very short, very digestible primer um, that's case study driven. So here's what impact investing can actually do for the masses. Um, impact Alpha, one of the one of the best news industry publications that we have that, that I'm quite a fan of, uh, does a good job of trying to bring impact investing news to your inbox every single day. Um, and then um, Spectrum also has a couple of free guides available on our website uh, that we just wrote and published for free. One on how to build an impact investing strategy and one how to on how to build um, products, impact investing products. And I think that the desire there, I think across all of these organizations is that if um, there's really no, there's really no sense sometimes in monetizing these things because the more informative that we all get, the, the better this whole market is. And so um, I've barely scratched, uh, scratched the surface. There's so many great uh, thought leaders out there that are pushing out this information. Um, but those are a few sources, I think, um, maybe to get started. Excellent. Um, Rahana, thank you so much for your time and sharing your insights with us. We're really appreciative and um, we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.